I don't hate a gangbang. Oh, God. <laughs> We're off to a great start already. The United States Supreme Court has described it as dirt for dirt's sake. We describe it as dirt for money's sake. Homosexuals, lesbians, sadists, masochists, and other sex deviants. This moral decay weakens our resistance to the onslaught of the communist masters of deceit. I'm Katie. And I'm Claire. And this is... You like that? The podcast where I make Katie watch Golden Age pornography and talk about it. It's March 1976. The Vietnam War is over, the carpool lane has been introduced in Los Angeles, and Harry Reams, the star of Gerard Damiano's Deep Throat, is about to be convicted by a jury in Memphis for transporting obscene materials. He had been paid $100 for appearing in the film. The conviction would later be overturned, and the charges against Reams dropped entirely, but it was a tense time to be making skin flicks, unless you were in the mob, in which case it was a very lucrative time to be making skin flicks. It's during this time that the opening of Misty Beethoven is released. Based on George Bernard Shaw's Pygmalion and widely regarded as the crown jewel of golden age porn, this movie is, at its core, a touching tale about a woman who overcomes her aversion to giving head. The film was written and directed by Radley Metzger under the name Henry Paris and stars Constance Money as Misty Beethoven and Jamie Gillis as Dr. Seymour Love. It was shot on location in New York, Paris, and Rome and took one whole month to shoot, which is a pretty significant amount of time to spend on a porno. It's well known for being beautifully shot and well acted, but it also has the distinction of being the first widely released porn film to feature female on male pegging. So Katie. Yes, Claire. Tell me, Mm -hmm. do you watch pornography? Uh, I think that everyone watches pornography and if they say they don't, they're either a liar or they're not watching the right porn. What do you think the right porn is? Well, I don't know. That depends on the person, I guess. <laughs> What's the right porn for you? What kind of porn do you watch? It depends. It changes. We like to switch it up in this house, you know? Mm-hmm. Keep it interesting. Yeah. Is there anything you've watched recently that you would like to tell me about? And I'll tell you, I'll tell you mine, too. Okay, let's hear about yours first. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. What have I been watching recently? Well, I always love a good massage porn. Oh, yeah. Massage yep. room porn. Classic. I like that. You know, I don't hate a gangbang. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> We're off to a great start already. <laughs> okay, but, but here we are. But it's the gangbangs where, like, she's the belle of the ball. Like... <laughs> Like, they're giving her compliments. They're saying what a good job. Not like a mean, I don't like a mean-spirited gangbang. Do you understand the difference? <laughs> At its core, I think what you really like is... Attention. You ju- you're a Leo. Right. You just like attention. Right. So, yeah, the idea of this one woman getting a lot of attention. Right. And a lot of dick, incidentally. I mean, this all scans for me. I think it makes a lot of sense for me. All right, now you have to say one. (laughs) All right, one. Let's think. A lot of women like gay porn. I, yep. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. A classic. Yeah. I need to stop calling everything a classic, but I mean, you can't go wrong. And to be fair, in porn, uh, everything's kind of a classic. Like, it's hard to find genres that haven't been done to death. 
They seem nicer to each other. Yeah, or like more genuinely interested in pleasing each yeah. other. Yeah. yeah. Well, we're going to leave that alone. We're going to let that lie. <laughs> All right, so what do we do? We got massage porn. We've got gang- respectful gangbangs and uh, a little bit of gay porn, which we'll talk about more when I talk about Jamie Gillis. Why do you think I chose this movie? I have a theory. I have a working theory. What's your theory? Well, let's put it this way. One of the two of us has a greater affinity for giving head. Let's put it that <laughs> That's way. That's true. But here's the thing. <laughs> I did not. It didn't. I've, I've, and I've seen this movie probably like six times now. It did not. I did not clock how it was just wall to fucking wall blowjobs mm-hmm. until I was watching it with you in mind. <laughs> well, here we are. Because I was watching. I was like, oh, shit. This She's not going to like this at all. There were so many parts of this experience that I did not care for. Yeah. So we have Pygmalion, obviously. Mm -hmm. And then I wanted something more contemporary. So our friend V recommended that I watch My Fair Lady. uh, And I hate musicals. Sure. But it felt a little more contemporary. So I said, yes. So I said, okay. But I mean, you basically get, you get, <laughs> that was horrible. I will say, I just, I would, did, it was, it was tough. That was the, probably the hardest part of this assignment Is for watching me. My Fair Lady. Yes. Okay. So you would rather watch but, hardcore pornography than My Fair Lady. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. That's Any fair. day of the week. Me so too. So here's the thing. <laughs> me too. Of course. <laughs> so here's the thing though. It's all like this concept has been recycled over and over and over again, right? It's like pretty woman is the same thing. You know, we have kind of down on her luck lady in like lower class kind of situation. And then we have some rich guy come in and swoop her off her feet and remold her to his liking. And then they fall madly in love. Right. That's the gist. Right. Some say it's sexist, but really it's more, I, I've all, all these, uh, My Fair Lady, Pretty Woman, this movie, to me, it's more classist than sexist. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's sexist too, but it's more classist. Uh, but still, I, I, I like I like Pretty Woman. I enjoy that movie. I obviously enjoy this pornography. Well, it's got Julia Roberts, so I mean, right. how do you go wrong? And I think, I think with both Pretty Woman and the opening of Misty Beethoven, visually, I like both movies so much. They're, like, beautiful to me. Yeah. Not that that excuses George Bernard Shaw's shameful classism. All I'll say is that if I have to watch another fucking musical for this podcast, I'm out. you got to find a new co-host. I promise I will not make you watch a musical ever again, even though there is a musical version of the opening of Misty Beethoven. Stop it. It comes full circle. Directed by Veronica Hart. It stars Sunset Thomas, Randy Spears, Julie Meadows, Asia Carrera, oh. Mike Horner, and directed by Veronica Hart. Wild. All right. Um, before we get further into the plot and the movie, I just want to give you like a little background on the actors. First of all, let's start with Jamie Gillis. If you know me, you know that Jamie Gillis is my absolute favorite porn actor of all time. He's very handsome. He's very smirky. He has an incredible dick. He has a really good voice. He has an incredible nose. (laughs) Um, But mainly it's just because he's so smirky all the time. Like even when he's, 
even when he's acting, and a lot of people say he was the best actor in porn, I actually think that Arbola was the best actor in porn because you can't tell when Arbola is acting. When Jamie's acting, he seems to be aware of the fact that he is putting on a performance and he also seems to not take it super seriously. Like he's almost making fun of you for it's watching him. He's a thespian. Yeah. He's a thespian. Yeah. You do love a smirky man. Oh, God. I do love a smirky man. Look yes. at my look at look at everything. Anyway, <laughs> all evidence points to so she loves a smirker. But anyway, Jamie Gillis was born Jamie Ira German and has been called the best actor in porn, but also the sickest actor in porn. How are we defining that? Um, this is like we are talking about hardcore pornography here. Right. So do we want to know? Well, do I want to know? I'm not going to give you all the details. But he would do things that no other male actor would do. When asked about these two, you know, claims to fame being the best and being the sickest, he said that being the sickest actor in porn was all part of being the best actor in porn, that other people were more limited than he was. He said, I feel like I can do whatever I'm called upon to do. I have a wider range than most people. He's got the range. He's got the range. My boy has the range. I love it. He was bisexual, like openly bisexual. So he did some gay stuff. He did a film called, I think it's called Boy Napped. Oh, no. They're not real boys. I don't love when no, I'm they're like they're like the, the I've seen it. The, I've seen clips of it. The guys are clearly like in their mid to late twenties. Not a great name though. No, I don't think he picked the name, man. He's just an actor. And also, there's this really great scene where he's fisting someone with a poster of Che Guevara in the background. I love that for you. I, it's good. But anyway, he was just you know he was a real pervert, and there was. There's this one story he likes to tell. There was this producer who was desperate to have him in a movie. And the producer asked, like, how much he wanted for what was his day rate. And he said he would do it for $500. At the end of the shoot, the producer made fun of him and was like, if you'd known me better, you'd know that I would have paid you $1,000. And Jamie was like, if you knew me, you'd have known that I would have done it for free. That's right. Yeah. I mean, what really made him so valuable is that unlike some other diva male porn performers he was never like ew i don't want to work with that woman Mm. like he would work with anyone always hard this is pre-viagra just a real journeyman if you will (laughs) (laughs) yeah a real valuable skill to have at the time yeah he actually got into porn very late by today's standards he was almost 30 when he started appearing in adult films and this was 1971 but he had been a performer for a while he was in plays throughout high school he wanted to be a serious theater actor, but then he got super in to miming. Stop. <laughs> yeah. Have you told me this? Yeah, last time I was over here. When but... you say got into. Well, so this is what he said. This is what he told the Rialto Report. He said, then in 1961, when I was 19, I went to see a Marcel Marceau performance. It changed my life, at least for a while. I used to think that a theater was like a church, but this was like a monastery. <laughs> After I saw Marceau, I only wanted to be a mime. I felt that was the perfect vehicle for my craft. Interestingly enough, Mike Horner, also a mime, before porn. What? It makes sense if you think about it. It's a very physical performance art. I want to talk about anything the way that that man described miming. I know. Like, he was was like... Like, good for him. Yeah, he really loved it. And later when he was working as a bellboy in Holland and like hanging out in the red light district, he saw a sign for the Will Spore Mime Troop. He went to see them. Oh, get the fuck out. They're mime troops? Oh, yeah. They're all sorts of troops. 
all sorts of miming tricks. <laughs> he ended up joining. He toured with them for a few years. And he eventually went back to New York and went to college because he felt that miming was a ridiculous way for a grown man to live. But then he quickly realized that he was ridiculous and he didn't want to do anything else besides perform. He took another acting class. And that class was held in the same room that he was born in because the college had bought a hospital. And he took that as a sign to return to acting. Huh. Yeah. And when we say acting, we mean? Shakespeare. Like, like theater. Interesting. Acting. And he started driving a cab to make ends meet while he was, you know, doing plays and stuff. I'm not making very much money. And so around that time, he answered an ad for nude modeling. And that was very common. A lot of porn stars answer these ads for nude modeling and it ended up being for loops and the difference between like a loop and a porn film is like loop generally doesn't have any sound it would be in like a booth or like you know, you put, oh right 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 yeah you, like at arcades you like put a quarters. pet like a quarter machine right exactly you go in and you watch a mini film right so there's generally you know no dialogue there was however one time there, there would be like framing like sometimes they put him in a costume like a superman costume and one time a cop showed up at his house and he's like is this you are you superman which, Why? Because they because they found obscene materials and it had Jamie dressed as super. It was the one where he was dressed as Superman. Oh, so they came by to question about it, but they just kept saying, "Are you Superman?" Oh my Is god! Is this you? Are you Superman? Which he really liked. He went to this dirty basement on Fourteenth Street that was next to a funeral parlor in New York. Yeah, a guy in uh, overalls with a ponytail took some Polaroids and then was like, "We'll call you." And then they did call him, and he ended up shooting his first sex scene with a girl on a dirty mattress in a dirty basement next to a funeral parlor. And he said, the girl was so lovely, I didn't care about the scenery. But really, like, if anything, the scenery would have made it more enticing for him because he was, again, a real pervert who liked being sleazy. I can't imagine him being turned off by a dirty basement or a dirty mattress. But anyway, he ended up making a lot more loops to the point that they, they told him he was getting a little overexposed. <laughs> so like immediately he was doing it so much that they were like, maybe you should dial it back. So then he started doing live sex shows, which were mostly softcore, like people pretending to fuck, but not really fucking. Sometimes to give the live shows redeeming social value and to keep it legal, he would recite Shakespeare or Yeats while he was pretending to fuck the girl. Or sometimes he play. He said they put on a lot of Rolling Stones at the time, which as a slut with a Rolling Stones tattoo, really like that. <laughs> but eventually went on to perform in, in over 470 adult films. Wild. Yeah, really prolific. So when the opening of Misty Beethoven came out, can we kind of set the stage culturally for where we were with porn in like the pop culture sphere like is this a movie that people could go and pay to see in an adult theater yeah this is like the height of porno chic got it so we are so it's 1976 so we are seven years after warhol's blue film right which kicked off right Golden right Age porn and we're five years after deep throat got it and the deep throat trials obscenity trials are going on okay like harry reams is about to be sentenced next month right so like it's very much part of the culture. Yeah. Like, like celebrities are going to see these films. It's not just like the raincoat jerk off crowd. Like right. it's a legit, almost a legit, it's still very winky. Like people are still like, ooh, we're being naughty. But yeah. like, it's, it's okay to watch pornography in a theater. Yeah. And this one, especially because it is so pretty and so, you know, well shot. 
I could keep talking about Jamie forever, but we should talk about our girl Constance. Unlike Jamie, Constance hadn't starred in many adult films when she was cast in the opening of Misty Beethoven. Two of the films she would later appear in used footage that were shot for Misty. She was not thrilled about that. We'll get into that a little more later. Constance, her real name was Susan Jensen. She's from Pennsylvania, like the Amish country. She's a very interesting person. She managed a hunting lodge in Alaska, but she was also the first porn actress to be featured in a Playboy spread, which now doesn't sound that remarkable but at the time there was a pretty clear delineation between like hardcore pornography and classy playboy <laughs> so she was kind of the crossover there and hugh hefner also told her like oh you could be the first real crossover star into real movies that did not happen but her relationship with this movie and her relationship with both the director and jamie is pretty complicated her childhood was i mean pretty normal her father was pretty Republican, but didn't seem super strict. He did insist she go to an all-girls school for college, so she, she ended up in East Oakland at Mills College because she had a boyfriend on the West Coast that she did not want to leave. She said in her Rialto Report interview that she did not like East Oakland. She did not care for all the activism. She did not like the Black Panthers having meetings in her dorm room with their machine guns, and she was pretty apolitical. She also said the whole feminism thing was really weird. Oh, what a square. Yeah. So that sounds harsh, right? But like you have to you have to contextualize it with which wave of feminism are we on? We are on second wave, notoriously anti-sex worker and anti-porn. It makes sense that someone who would get into pornography would not be inclined to hang out with second wave feminists. Right. Being from Amish country in Pennsylvania, coming from a conservative family, just she's apolitical. She didn't hate counterculture. Like she really liked punk music. She was really in the music scene. She did a lot of drugs. But like the thing that was off-putting about feminism to her is that they gave her shit for going to frat parties. Oh. So just like, I mean, it's pretty, well, it's not that deep. <laughs> you <laughs> <Yeah>. know? <laughs> like, it all kind of makes sense and it's not that deep. It's not ideal that she was anti-feminist, but if you set it in the context, this was the time of political lesbianism and feminist separatism. Women, even straight women, not dating men and not fucking men as a political act. So that doesn't jive really with shooting porn. That's right. She eventually had to quit school due to financial issues. She was actually escorted out of class for not being able to pay tuition. Who fucking does that? I know, it's disgusting. What? It's disgusting. That doesn't happen now. No, that probably doesn't happen No. Now. But it happened then. It what happened the to her. fuck? Yeah. Are you serious? Can yeah. you imagine? No, I cannot. Who is blowing the whistle on like, oh yeah, this student who happens to be midway through the semester hasn't paid her bill yet. Like I what? I don't know. I don't believe that. That's crazy. But then she ended up working as an ice cream scooper. And then, like Jamie, she got into porn by answering a nude modeling ad. She met Jerry Abrams through one of those ads, who she describes as a dangerous person and someone she has nothing but bad things to say about. She also doesn't have very nice things to say about the industry as a whole. She said she didn't feel that the people making pornography at the time were malicious or even aware of the fact that they were exploiting people. But she said that people used the sexual freedom of the 60s to make money in the 70s. And she also said that people coming out of the 60s didn't think sex was that big of a deal, when in reality, it does become a big deal, at least to her. She did end up living with Abrams, and she was working in bars while he was making loops, which she only found out about because she came home early from work one day 
and there were a bunch of people in her home. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. And, and she was like, oh, wait, things are starting to fall into place now because she she thought she was going insane because she would wash like a dress or something and then go to put it on and be like, why does this smell like someone wore it? Because they were using her clothes. Oh, my God. In the, in the loops. Yeah. That's fucked up. Yeah. So, <laughs> That's horrible. So that was kind of like her introduction. And then she's like, I can hang. I guess, yeah. Then she was, Then she made a, a film with Abrams called Confessions of a Teenage Peanut Butter Freak. Uh, I don't need to know more. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. It's hard. Well, you, I haven't seen it, but in her Rialto Report interview, she was like, I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. She doesn't like, sound great. She's like, she's like, I didn't even get paid for it. He like bought me lunch and was like, well, we live together. So she was not compensated for that film. And again, this just like reinforced her opinion that a lot of the people who made these movies and a lot of people who were making a lot of money on these movies, they just hung the performers out to dry. Right. The common rate for a porn actor was around $100 a day. Women usually made a little more than the men, but like none of the actors, male or female, made a ton. Right. Yeah, that was kind of my understanding as well. I guess it kind of depends on who you're talking about, but I thought that that was one aspect of, you brought up Boogie Nights earlier, that was kind of confusing to me, in the film at least, because we have all of these adult stars and they're of the moment stars, right? We're seeing that they're getting kind of cycled through for the next young guy or the next young woman who's going to be the star of the naughties for however long the shelf life for that job is. But I thought that it was wild that they had, I forget who the guy is that plays the young guy that they bring on to. Marky Mark? Oh my God, yes, yeah. it's Marky Mark. Yeah. Uh, Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. <laughs> formally, formally, known formally known as, as Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking forgot that was Marky Mark. That's so yeah. fun. Yeah. Okay, so there's a moment where Marky Mark, once again, I am just, I cannot believe. I remember when I first saw that film, I was like, there is no fucking way. Is that? And then, of course. No, that's not his dick. Well, no. Yeah, oh, okay. of course. <laughs> Apparently, he still has the prosthetic, though. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. That's a nice little souvenir. But there's a there's a point where he is walking his co-stars and his like little crew of adult filmmaking buddies through this house and it's all decked out and he's got this beautiful like cherry red sports car sitting in the garage and I'm like who the fuck during this time was actually making that kind of money once they kind of broke in yeah because you, you have to this was a new industry right right like porn stars weren't a thing until right. the 70s once it became an established thing yeah a lot of them made bank but they were also kind of bad with money because for one thing it wasn't like taxable legit income right really. yeah it was cash mostly and so they spent it there was a time where they were making a ton of money and the other interesting thing is because it was such a new industry you talked you mentioned like them aging out and being replaced by the hot young thing but really at the time no one knew what happened to old porn stars because there was no such thing as an old porn star oh so there's also anxiety around like how long do I actually have? There wasn't a th MILF porn wasn't a thing. Right. <laughs> well, Kay Parker. Actually, MILF porn became a thing pretty quickly. <laughs> <laughs> now that I'm thinking of it. it. Since it was such a new industry and a new art form, they were the women especially were probably worried about aging out because you're just conditioned as a woman that, that your beauty has an expiration date. So you right. better use it while you can. Kind of a 
kind of an interesting time in that regard. Yeah. Obviously easier for the men to age than the women. A lot of the ladies made it work. Even they were Nina Hartley, for example, still going strong, still doing great work. Yeah. Back to Candace. Oh, so she got the role of Missy Beethoven through Harold Adler, who was an agent. She did a fashion show at Macy's and met him through another girl who was also doing the fashion show. He told her that this movie was an R-rated version of Pygmalion. It is not. He framed it as a big feature with some sex, is what she said. She was flown out to New York. She met Radley Metzger there. He paid for her living arrangements for like a month and a half. She says she had to pay her own way back home. When he quit paying for her accommodations, she ended up living with Jacqueline Boudant, who plays Geraldine Rich, the really pretty redhead. They were actually really good friends. And the in- interesting thing about Jacqueline is that this is her first and only porn film, and she is exquisite in it. Like, she's, to me, she is the one to watch. Like, I think she's an incredible actress with incredible comedic timing. But after the movie was over, she cut ties with everyone related to the production, and she became a photographer, and then later became a dog breeder and dog trainer for show dogs. I love that trajectory for her. Yeah. What a career. What an icon. Yeah. You star in one of the, like, fanciest porn movies ever made, and you're like, fuck this, I'm going to take pictures of other people. Fuck this, I'm training dogs. I mean, anyone should be so lucky. I respect it. She didn't love Radley. She said he was very handsome but didn't say much and that Ava Leighton, his partner with whom he founded Audubon Films, was the one who was really in charge. She said Radley was a bit of a boy toy. And they had a lot of issues around the subject of payment. Constance Money has said in her interview with the Rialto Report that she wasn't paid or maybe paid $100. Interestingly, though, the Rialto Report actually published a two-part, like, in-depth investigative report on this subject where they have, like, contracts and checks and a ton of receipts. And it looks like she was, her original day rate was $150 a day with a $40 per diem. And all transportation was paid by the producer. In her interview with the Rialto Report, she said she wasn't sure that she signed a release, but the Rialto Report did obtain a copy of a release that she signed. I want to be clear here. Bradley is definitely, was definitely one of those guys who is like, I'm a man with an artistic vision and fuck everybody else. Like, kind of a son of a bitch, allegedly. And there was conflict between the two of them from the very beginning. He claimed she came to set unprepared and didn't want to perform her scenes as they were written in the script. And she claimed he tried to break her and subjected her to all sorts of unnecessary stuff like hours of taking a mixture of cottage cheese and KY jelly to the face. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Uh-uh. To simulate. No, ma'am. Cum shots. No, thank you. Um, hours? That's what she said. She said hours. Bradley had also said he would take her to Europe but did not take her to Europe. Jamie got to go to Europe. Oh, fuck that. Yeah. Oh, I don't like that. Yeah. No, it sucks. sucks. No, that's it's awful. Bad. According to the documents obtained by the Realtor Report, which were quite meticulous, she was paid a total of $2,646.64, which is nothing compared to how much that movie made, but one of the higher sums for porn actresses at that time. But even the name he gave her, Constance Money, seems like a dick. The way, like, she tells it is like, yeah, she, he named me Constance Money because we fought over money. 
He says that he consulted her about it and she was fine with it. Hmm. I don't know about all this. Right. Sounds a little shady. <laughs> Sounds a little shady. In pornography? Uh-uh. No, no way. way, man. Couldn't be me. After the movie came out, Radley contacted Susan to let her know that some of the leftover scenes from Misty Beethoven were going to be used in two other films, Barbara Broadcast and Maraschino Cherry. A big four-year legal battle followed, and she ended up claiming that he owed her over $2 million. Oh, no. I won't attempt to sum up the whole legal battle because the Rialto Report spent several years reporting on it, and you should head to their site to read it. But she ended up settling for $4,750. So, not quite double of (laughs) what she made the first time. Oh, no. And meeting Jamie was also kind of rocky. Apparently, a guy named Tyler Horn was supposed to star with her, and she said he was a very nice person, but he got fired because he wouldn't cut his hair. And weirdly, the girl who was originally supposed to play Misty Beethoven got fired because she did cut her hair. Wild. (laughs) Of all the things. Of all the things. I mean, I can think of a lot of reasons that a porn star might get fired from a major production. You don't expect to be over hairstyling. No. Yeah. The hair for me during this film was not the star of the show. Right. You didn't even clock it, I bet. Although I will say the makeup in this film was incredible. Makeup's really good. But anyway, she said Jamie was kind of very standoffish. She said that he was always looking at her, but then she also added that she couldn't really see. She had very bad vision, so she wasn't totally sure where he was looking, but she felt like he was looking at her. <laughs> I mean, I can't, you know, I can't argue with that. It's like you kind you know. You yeah. know when someone's staring at you. You yeah. can feel it. And and Jamie was by a lot of people's standards kind of a creep and like kind of got off on making people a little uncomfortable. Oh, get out. I don't know if you picked up on that from watching him perform. Um, and also, it didn't help that their very first scene was an S&M scene. Right. Metzger said, like, oh, it was great because she was proficient in S&M and she was, like, very helpful. And she said, I didn't know what was going on. I thought I was in a snuff film. Oh, no. Yeah. So, not good. She also said Jamie kept calling her cute which she didn't like. She wanted to be called beautiful, sexy. As someone who gets called cute mostly, I kind of get that. Like, it's a compliment, but sometimes you just get tired of hearing it. Oh, God. (laughs) And then this is not great. She said she wasn't attracted to Jamie because he was too dark. Oh, no. Like, physically. And this is a Jewish man, so that's not a great thing to say. So just they didn't they did not click well. What I'm hearing is that we've just got a band of problematic characters oh yeah we've got a we've got a really colorful cast of people who should not be together in a professional environment (laughs) so and another thing that's interesting and we'll wrap this up and start talking about the actual movie soon is that with the exception of jamie the other male actors in the movie are gay like gay porn actors and they had a hard time performing because they were gay and she was a woman but radley kept telling her they couldn't perform because she wasn't woman enough doesn't make any sense i don't like any of this yeah i gotta say you're not selling me any more than the film already has claire i'm not trying to sell you i'm just trying to give you historical context you don't have to like all the movies katie you're probably not gonna like most of them (laughs) (laughs) listen it's just not looking great it's not looking great so far but we'll do we'll do something fun we'll do something for katie next i'll pick one that's good for katie next (laughs) 
Um, but anyway, it's just interesting that he's like, oh, these men can't get it up because you're not woman enough because that's literally a plot point in the film is one of her tasks is to seduce a gay guy or to, you know, to turn him straight, which is incredibly, you know, homophobic and it's problematic. Awful. Also. awful. But it's a good scene and we'll talk about it in a little bit. So, yeah, Jamie, they didn't really get along. They have starkly different feelings about the film. Jamie treasured his best actor statue that he won for Misty Beethoven. He used to kiss a framed copy of the poster before he went to bed each night. This was later in life when he was dying of cancer. This was not throughout his whole life. This oh. is when he got sentimental. I mean, yeah. And Candace spent most of her life trying to hide her involvement in the movie because the moment she got back to California and it came out she was in this movie, people started, you know, talking behind her back and being shitty. Their personalities clashed heavily. They did have affection for each other in a weird way. She tells a story about when she was living with John Leslie, who's another golden age porn actor, who's best friends with Jamie. They were all at John Leslie's house for Easter, and she recalls Jamie participating in an Easter egg hunt and having like a very youthful like kind of innocence to him. And she was like, in that moment, like she liked him. And then later, before he died, Ashley West of the Rialto Report facilitated like a meeting so they could talk about things. And they had a very long, very cathartic talk. And were eventually able to joke and laugh about their time together when they made the crown jewel of golden age pornography. And the first mainstream porn film to feature female on male pegging. Yeah, you really love that anecdote, Claire. It's not an anecdote. It's a historical fact. That's true. That's true. So yeah, that's I did appreciate that. I will say I did appreciate it. Yeah. So that's way at the end, the second to last scene. Let's talk about the movie. What do you want to... First of all, could you sum it up? Yeah, well, I feel like, I mean, there's not much more that you than you can say beyond just like if you've seen Pretty Woman, you've seen this film. No, if you've seen My Fair Lady, My Fair Lady, yeah. you've seen this film. But it's got flair. It has it has pizzazz. It's got a lot of blowjobs. It does. Oh, before we go any further, first of all, spoiler alert. We're going to spoil the plot and content of this nearly 50-year-old, or maybe it's over 50. It's long as hell, yeah. too. It's like an hour and 20 hour, hour and it's a half. It's a movie. It's a proper it's movie. It's a whole-ass movie. It's a whole-ass movie. Anyway, we're going to spoil it, so if you want to see it, go watch it now, I guess. You can come back. We'll wait for you. Yeah, we'll wait. But real quick, let's do the cum count. In this movie, we have... 14 cum shots, two female orgasms, 26 blowjobs, nine instances of cunnilingus, seven hand jobs, three instances of girl on girl action, 13 instances of penetrative sex, one instance of pegging, one threesome, two instances of ass eating, three scenes featuring solo masturbation, and one cigar up the ass. God forbid we should leave that out. And the reason... Well, it's a unique moment in the movie. The reason there are so many blowjobs, like there aren't 26 blowjobs to completion, but there's a lot of background blowjobs going on throughout the entire movie. It is, like I said, wall to wall dick sucking. Just entirely too much. And I know you don't like the movie, but it is, you have to admit, it's delightfully, it's wacky. It's gleefully it is, wacky. It is out there. Yeah. That is for, you know, that's the whole thing is like watching this film. I had no idea what I was going into when Claire assigned this for homework. Well, we started out with a different film that I quite liked a lot. And then I watched this one and I felt so betrayed. <laughs> I felt so betrayed. But here's the thing, though. It's 
there are moments that are genuinely so delightful. Like there, there's a moment pretty early on in the film where we're introduced to our protagonist and she's wearing this like ridiculous t-shirt with like fake credit card logos and bank logos. It's like American express MasterCards, Yeah. (laughs) And like, just this outrageous, outrageously overdone makeup. And it's like, that's camp, baby. Yeah, it's super camp. It's so funny. So let's just start with the first opening scene where we have Jamie Gillis looking beautiful, I might add, <laughs> walking around Paris, walking around, like, look, taking in all the sex shows, looking at all these advertisements for sex shows. And he eventually goes into a theater. And what does he find in that theater? I don't remember. You don't remember. So they're playing a sex film. It's a porn theater. Right. And so that is actually not a real, well, it's real in that it's porn and it's people actually fucking and they shot it. But that movie was shot, that little movie was shot for this big movie. Right. It was shot in the director's apartment and it's, it is not a, a separate porn movie. It was made just for this movie. And that's actually like, that movie is very much like two people in love having sex is like how I read it. Like it's pretty standard, but like there seems to be genuine affection to me. It's like kind of normie sex. I do remember that the theater was kind of seedy. Oh yeah, it's very seedy. Very seedy. And you have that one woman going, oh great, excellent, fantastic. I'm like, that's me. (laughs) No, yeah, but that is, that's that's Claire in a nutshell. (laughs) And then, so he sits down and then Misty Beethoven comes and gets her gum off the seat in front of him. And then she goes and she gives Napoleon a hand job. Right. You remember Napoleon? Right. Yeah. Yes. It's an old man dressed like Napoleon getting a hand job in a porn theater. God, that was so bizarre. <laughs> so then after that, they go to the brothel. Do you remember what happens there? Yeah, but it's like the brothel scene was like a little, it was a little choppy. Yeah. Like it was kind of all over the place. There was a lot happening. There were a few different conversations happening. And it's like, we have this guy looking for this gal, but then they go over here and they're having a conversation about something unrelated. And somehow this person knows this person. And it's like, who the fuck are we supposed to be following here? Right. Because it's like the first, it's gotta be like within the first five minutes of the show. Right. Yeah. It's it's very early on. So Misty and Dr. Seymour Love, go to this brothel and i think the the price negotiated is like 50 bucks and this guy starts taking notes and instead of like getting down to it dr seymour love starts asking her questions and she says all right let's get this straight i do a straight fuck i don't take it in the ass and i don't take it in the mouth and i don't take it in the bed which is a joke i think and so he's asking her all these questions like what would you do if, if you don't have to give a blow job? And she's like, if I just give you a hand job, I'll give you this amount of money back. So they're still negotiating. He's asking her all these questions. And she's like, you're not one of those perverts from the embassy. Or you're not one of those freaks from the embassy, are you? Which is pretty funny. And then while they're talking, Dr. Seymour Love hears a familiar moaning. And is like, oh, that's Geraldine. And then we see Geraldine Rich, who he says is very Geraldine and very rich having outer course, you know, rubbing herself on this guy's dick. She fucks him, they come. And then they have this little meetup like, oh, I didn't know you were here. She's recovering from a party that is thrown by the big magazine guy, Mr. Goldenrod or whatever. And then we have kind of the My Fair, this is where we get the My Fair Lady setting, where they're both kind of bagging on the sex worker for being bad at her job because she doesn't give blowjobs. So Jamie calls 
Constance Money, a.k.a. Misty Beethoven, the absolute nadir of passion, the most unexciting thing God has ever created, a sexual civil service worker, which is pretty harsh. Oh, you think? Just a little bit? <laughs> and then Geraldine says she should refund anyone she's ever charged for sexual services. So they're both being like pretty mean, rich perverts. And then they have the bet that he can make her the goldenrod girl. Right. The, the sexual it girl, which is chosen by this, this oh, magazine God. guy. So yeah, that's the framing. Yeah. Awful. Awful. I give it a zero out of ten. <laughs> the framing? The just the whole fucking thing, whole man. Thing. I just did not like it. I also just thought there were so many parts of this film that were just outrageous. Like, there's a scene not too long after all of this goes down where they're on a plane and the stewardesses are like going down the aisle, like giving blowjobs, like while they're serving cocktails. And I'm yeah. like, ma'am, we simply do not have the time. Like right. in what world do these ladies have time to be servicing their patrons? Well, well yeah, and that's again, I think speaks to how it's so wacky. Like, it's, it's just aware, out there. It's aware of the fact that it's absurd. Like I don't think, I don't think there's any, besides the cinematography, there is nothing serious about this movie. I do think that there are so many, like, niche little, like, fetishes yeah. that are served by this film. So if you're into some really weird shit, this might be for you. Like what? Well, I don't know. Let's get into what it. <laughs> so we have, you've, you've mentioned the sex plane. Right. They take the sex plane right. to New York. Right. For her little sexual training montage. Correct. I like the sex plane. I think it's fun. I just don't think it's very grounded in reality. No, of course it's not grounded in reality. <laughs> I'm sorry that this porn that's based on Pygmalion is not grounded enough in reality for you. I'm just, you know, I'm just making a point here. I love the sex plane. Is that the first time? Is that where we see the pilot's wife go down on her? Or is that when they're going back to Europe? But anyway, so they take the sex plane. They go to Jamie's apartment. We have that incredible blowjob training montage including the dildo that has like different colors. So like every inch is a different color. So you can see her progress. I think I got one of those for pride one year. Oh, like it was obviously a joke, but right. it was like, looked the sa- like it looked the same. That's pretty cool. <laughs> I don't know what happened to it. <laughs> what color did you get to? <laughs> Claire, continue on. All right. Well, do you want to say anything else about the training montage? It was really silly. It was like, you know, those old 80s films where they're like doing training for some kind of like physical event. And they're yeah. wearing like the sweatsuits and the headband and the got like, you know, bumping music. Yeah. While they're doing their training. It was like that, but for blowjob. It's exactly like that. But yeah. For blowjobs. It's very silly. And, and eventually she learns how to give a blowjob. Yeah. You know, and that's when they decide that she is ready to give someone a blowjob, I guess. <laughs> What is the purpose of this? All right. It's so silly. There was a lesbian sex scene, I believe. There is. That's with the actress. Was it with the pilot's wife? So there's, that's the the lesbian cunnilingus scene. I just Um, remember thinking, girlfriend with those nails, not a chance. Yeah, that's the thing about a lot of so-called lesbian sex scenes, and particularly like fingering and oral, is that they always have long aggressive nails yeah 
which makes it hard. Keep your knives. I don't need them. <laughs> I don't need them. Yeah. I, and as someone who keeps her nails short, I just, I, it shows me you're not serious about eating pussy is what, <laughs> is what I get from that. It's a, it's a mere hobby for you. You don't take it seriously. Oh my God. But we do get, like during that training montage, we do get a lot of little great throwaway lines. Like she says, I think men stink. She tells him to fuck off a couple times. Like she's, you know, she fights back. She's spicy. She eventually bests him. She wins. I think she wins. We'll get to the end of the movie, but right. I think she is the victor. So then after she learns how to give a blowjob, they sent her to the ballet. Remember, she gets put in that limo. She starts blowing a guy immediately. Then she fucks that guy in the bathroom. Right. At the ballet. What did you think of that scene? I am having trouble recalling the ballet. Remember, they get up, get down. They find their seats. Oh, She's like, God, give that was a... ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. I remember, oh, yeah, because that guy couldn't stay hard. Right, yeah. Yeah, that was ridiculous. I just remember being like, I'm like, I know that this is just a pornography, but, like, can you imagine the audacity? The audacity. Right. Someone getting up that frequently during a performance particularly where everyone else there knows exactly why they got up yeah they're because they all look at each other knowing like oh this guy's about to go get fucked in the bathroom right and then he's like oh it's gone right and so they go sit back down and they get at least they only get up twice it actually gave me anxiety yeah it's stressful it's I'm, stressful to watch i'm the kind of person at a theater i'm sitting on the edge yeah because i because i have to pee right. and i don't like asking people to move i i'm the exact same way and they're in the inner i know of, they're in the middle of people it was it was disrespectful is what was that was rude. it's ruder than fucking in a public bathroom yep i think yep i thought that scene was kind of hot okay i believe you you've got you've got jamie you know, kind of walking, he's like, and by now they'll be seated in the theater. By now, what's his name will be getting worked up. He's kind of like narrating while he's getting a blowjob. Mm-hmm. And then, you know. Yeah. Then they do a little. Yeah. Sex in the bathroom from behind. That lady yells at him, tells him they should have just sucked him off in a phone booth instead. That I thought was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yes, good. A little comedic relief for how stressful that situation was. <laughs> No, that was great. Yeah. It's like you think they're going to get a stern talking to from this this nice older woman who's just trying to have a nice time at the ballet. And instead, she's like, you should have just sucked him off in a telephone booth. It's like, yeah, that scans. I get it. I think there are a lot of good jokes. There's so many good jokes. Yeah. I do think it was very silly when they go to Rome and they're like sitting there waiting to go. They had just gotten back to the apartment and... They're both just, like, the two of them are, like, lounging in those, like, built-ins in the walls. Oh, yeah. That are, like, architecturally, like, rich. And they're just kind of, like, laying in these walls. And they're like, let's go to Rome. Yeah. And she's like, we'll go to my place. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just all of it was so silly. It's so over the top. It's so over the top. It's over the top in every... Like, the thing I think that, like, might cause some, like dissonance when you're watching it is that it's shot like such a serious movie Mm -hmm. like the cinema photography is so serious and so pretty and so just like interesting and then the acting and the dialogue and the jokes are so wacky it kind of like makes you am i supposed to be taking this like seriously as a film is this a lighthearted romp what is it exactly yeah i mean i feel like a lot of 
these, well, I mean, even if you look at contemporary pornography, like stuff that you can watch on Pornhub, for example, like it's just silly shit. Right. Like if there's any kind of dialogue, it's always terrible. It's always kind of out there. Am I supposed to be entertained? Am I supposed to be turned on? I'm not really sure what to feel right now. Right. <laughs> and that's like basically like I can't. And, you know, to anyone listening, like if you absolutely adore this porn, then, you know, go with God. But I personally was just like I just felt so uncomfortable the whole time because I was like, I am not sure how I'm supposed to feel right now. Right. Yeah. It's again, it's very wacky but the jokes are well constructed they are clever yeah and it has that feel of porn of like a very contrived scenario to facilitate fucking but then it's so beautiful it has such lush sets and so interesting visually that you're kind of like you want it to be a little more serious than mm-hmm. it is or at least that's how i feel. and i i love it it's one of my favorite porn comedies or it is my favorite porn comedy it's one of my favorite porn movies overall so then after she has sex with the guy in the bathroom it's gossip time they're they're all gossiping about her. All the rich people, all the rich perverts are talking about, oh, this new girl, Misty Beethoven. I heard she might be the goldenrod girl. And then they talk about astrology a whole bunch. And <laughs> Gloria Leonard's husband, the magazine mogul, is like, she's an Aquarius. Don't Aquarius just take it up the ass? Oh, yeah, that was pretty good. And, and Gloria Leonard goes, of course they do, you romantic fool. <laughs> That was actually great. Yeah. yeah. And let's talk about Gloria Leonard for a moment. So she ended up, she was in porn for a long time, and then she ended up founding High Times magazine. Oh, no shit. Yeah. And she was the editor-in-chief of that huh? for a long time. And, you know, big free speech advocate. But Constance Money said that she wouldn't have been anywhere else in the world for a million bucks. She loved being in porn. Mm-hmm. And I think that speaks to like the two types of women that were, or two types of people really that were in porn in the seventies is like the people who legitimately loved being there, like Laura Leonard, Kay Parker, Nina Hartley for one. And then the people who are like, this feels shitty. They feel like they were kind of coerced into it. They weren't fully there with their own, you know, right. kind of gray area, right. shitty situations. But Gloria Leonard was one of those people who legitimately loved being in pornography and, you know, went on to be a huge free speech advocate around pornography specifically. So then we have more training. She's trying to, one of her tasks is she's supposed to make three guys come at once. So we have her on her knees blowing and jerking off to, they're like butlers, three butlers. There's just all these sex butlers and maids everywhere at Geraldine's house. And one training bike, which she rides for some reason. But after all the gossiping, someone says, oh, I, I hear she's Hungarian. Or I hear her mother's Hungarian. And Jamie goes, Hungarian, it's getting better. <laughs> Listen, I just, yeah, I don't know. I feel, I feel like, honestly, this probably goes without saying. But I felt like all the best sex in this film and all the most believable sex happened between women. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, the butler scene was weird. It was just a really bizarre thing. So were these, were those actors, like, a few of the guys that you had said that on set were, like, openly gay? Not so much those guys. I'm thinking of the art dealer and the magazine mogul. Let's get his name. Lawrence Lehman, played by Rask King, who was, like, a famous porn actor, like, gay 
porn actor. Yeah. I don't love the concept of, like, seducing this man straight. So, Lawrence Lehman, that character is not gay. Right. But the art dealer. The art dealer, right, 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 right. But before we get to him, we have the setup for the art dealer thing, which they are training him to seduce an art dealer. Dr. Seymour Love goes and talks to this actress played by Terry Hall. And Terry Hall had starred in the story of Joanna with Jamie, which is an S&M film, um, a famous S&M film, which I haven't watched all the way through because I found it kind of boring. But they do have undeniable chemistry, like immediately, even when he's just like talking to her and convincing her to like come help him with this project. So the setup is there. They're going to put an earpiece in Misty Beethoven's ear to kind of talk her through going to seduce this art dealer. But they also demonstrate what she's going to do with the actress playing Misty Beethoven and Geraldine playing the art dealer. Right. And that's when we get that pretty good lesbian scene that then turns into a pretty good scene with Terry and Jamie. Right, right. What did you think about that scene? Oh, I loved it. It was Mm -hmm. great. It was one of the only redeeming parts of the movie. (laughs) <laughs> because it was because of the women yeah yeah <laughs> yeah got pretty gay there for a second because women are more fun to look at than men that's right yeah i also like how it kind of has like an mk ultra vibe <laughs> oh my God. like it's it's kind of like operation midnight climax where they were do you know about this where the cia was <sighs> Scooping up sex workers, drugging them, fucking them, and then asking questions, like asking them a bunch of questions. And what they determined was that people will tell you more things after you've drugged and fucked them, which I don't know why you need the CIA to tell you that. I don't love that. No, it's terrible. MKUltra is fucking horrific. Yeah. yeah, it's horrific. It's absolutely horrific. But I feel like, you know, all that like spy CIA shit, like the thing with it just, it has kind of like that vibe with the little earpiece. I feel like it was like in the ether at the time. Yeah. But anyway, so they have that, that very beautiful tender scene between the two women. What I hate, though, is the ripe mango thing. It doesn't make any sense. You have to remind me. I can't remember. She says, I'm going to suck your cock like the inside of a ripe mango. Oh, yeah. I was like, what does that fucking mean? What does that mean? Were we supposed to know? I don't know. And then she goes, ripe mango, take two. I don't know what that means either, (laughs) man. Okay, I'm glad I wasn't the only one. I was like, at some point, I think with this film, I started dissociating. (laughs) I was just like, oh my God, we're doing it again. Ripe mango, take two. I I have no idea what that means. I mean, I don't know how much dick everyone, everyone listening has sucked, but like, I've never been like, this is like, the inside of a ripe mango. Well, and you would know you're a food writer. It's true. Also, interestingly, though, if I eat a ripe mango, my lips break out in little blisters because I'm allergic to the skin. We don't like that. So it's a terrible analogy for me specifically. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to suck your dick and break out knives. So after we had the lesbian scene with Tanya and Geraldine, yeah, I have a note here. Mango thing doesn't make any sense. <laughs> then Tanya and Seymour get together and she says, let's, well, she say, let's shoot the sequel now. That also doesn't make much sense. She's just saying shit that doesn't make any fucking sense. I like it. It's but chaotic. But she's, fe- she's feeling it though. Right. You could tell she's like really into these <laughs> scenes. 
And then her and Jamie, I think, have like a really nice sex scene. But they do, and this will come up, I think, in this podcast a lot. This is a pet peeve of mine. You know that angle where you see the guy's ass going up and down? Like you, it, it's shooting like <laughs> as if you're looking at them fucking. He's underneath her and you see like his dick and balls going into her. Uh, you know what angle I'm talking about? It's used in so many. Nobody likes that fucking angle, man. Do you like that angle? Am I, am I speaking? Am I? I think you're speaking out of turn here. Wow. I think there's something for everybody. Do you like that angle? I'm trying to think. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, I think so. I, I mean, just, I don't know. Yeah, like, I, like switch it up, I guess. I don't like seeing the butt, I think, is the problem. <laughs> the man's butt. Like, if they cut it off right below the balls, <laughs> I would be fine with it. Claire has some notes. <laughs> I've got some notes on this fucking... But they do it all the time now. That angle never... There's a joke about it in Always Sunny in Philadelphia, where all of Dennis's <laughs> sex tapes are just shot from that angle. I think, like, that's the fun part about, you know, these, like, porn during the golden age, of course, but pornography generally, is that it's, like, it's, like, such this, like, taboo topic, but realistically, it's in every part of pop culture that you can think of. I mean, well, I had mentioned to you that Nighthawk, which our New York viewers will know of, um, did a a showing of Misty Beethoven, I think it was in like 2014 as yeah. part of their Nighthawk Naughties reclaiming <laughs> 1970s porn, which I think like speaks to the sort of the impact of this film within this world. Right. So, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's it's silly and we can talk about it like it's silly. I mean, this film in particular, please, I mean gleefully wacky. it's just yeah i mean it's just bananas but i think that there is just so much to be i mean we could go on and on and on for hours about like all of the various ways that like porn touches pop culture it's true it well because the moment humans had cameras what was the first film shot the Killing an elephant, and then and then immediately they started filming people fucking. <laughs> they killed that fucking elephant for some reason. <laughs> I don't know why they'd go with such a large animal. That poor, poor elephant. Anyway, film has been used to capture nudity and fucking as long as it's been alive. Yeah. Or alive. Film, you know what I mean. <laughs> as long as it's been as around. As long as it's been a sentient <laughs> being. Um... <laughs> But so I will say before we move on from this scene, I feel like this is the first real sex scene in the movie. Yeah. If that makes sense, like everything's just been kind of like wacky jokes and framing and plot. It's very jovial. But this is like, it actually feels sexy and actually feels like, okay, now we're watching a porn. And I also love the juxtaposition of all this like very high art, interesting cinematography, these beautiful wide shots juxtaposed with these blown out, super close up, porn shots of genitals like yeah they they don't totally mesh but it's um it just reminds you by the way you're watching a fuck film right so after that misty beethoven is a little worried that she's not going to be able to pull it off she says you can't cheat people at their own game i learned that on the streets jamie gives her a little pep talk takes her on a drive 
says all these things like, oh, I hope I'll still get to see you once this project is over. He simps for her. So after the little pep talk, they send her off to the art dealer, the gay art dealer. And there are a few things about this scene. He's like, we'll get some help from Geraldine, who's always happy to lend a finger, which cute. Yeah, she'll finger people. But she just turns off the electricity. And then the art dealer is like, oh, I guess we're trapped in this gallery. The doors don't work because the electricity is, maybe there's like an elevator situation, but it's just not. Could be. It could be. It could be. Or like uh, most other parts of this film. Maybe it just doesn't make any fucking sense. Maybe it doesn't have to. Because we don't care. Because what happens? She she has her little MK Ultra earpiece in. (laughs) Calling it that. (laughs) And then she like, you know, she kind of forces herself on this gay guy. They're they're like, he's going to move away because he's uncomfortable. Use that to your advantage and move in on him. Yeah, I did not like any part of this. Yeah. It she, did not sit well with me. She kisses him, and they start, and she's like, I'm kissing you. And she keeps narrating what she's doing. I know, which is also gave the ick. Yeah, and Just then every and, part of it, I was like, please make it stop. And again, she says the fucking ripe mango thing. <laughs> we have to look that up. I feel like it's, I feel like surely there is a meaning here that we are missing. I don't know. But I do like that they do, like, the black and white. Do we have comments on this thing? What? Do we have comments on this podcast? What do you Leave mean? Leave us a comment if you know what the Oh, fuck. no, I'm not having comments. Oh, we don't want comments? I don't know. We'll talk, we'll talk about oh, it later. No, fuck the comments. Never mind. Anyway, if anyone has any idea... Send an email. Send an email. Let us know, because it is making Claire nuts, What does evidently. it mean? <laughs> I'm going to lick your cock like... Or no, I'm going to suck your cock like the inside of a right rainbow... Mango. If she had said lick it, that would have made more sense to me. Still, not really. But (laughs) but still. And then again with the ripe mango take two. What the fuck does that mean, man? The same way again. Well, I can't eat. At least you can eat mango (laughs) without your lips breaking out in tiny hives. But I also think it's interesting. So they have the they're doing the black and white back to the training session with the actress and then what's actually happening and like kind of flipping back and forth between these two. I think just aesthetically when she does um, mount him, I guess, when he's like laying down in that in the moonlight that's coming through the window, that's aesthetically pleasing. And I think the actual fucking is pretty hot. And Unfortunately, I think the cum shot. I think it's one. I think it's the best cum shot in the movie. Do you recall? Do you know why I think that? No. Do you want to know why I think that? Not really, but I know you're gonna tell me. <laughs> what am I supposed to talk about, man? Wait. Okay. Tell me why. It's um. It's because. <laughs> God, no, I'm not sure. I want to say it. It's so dirty. Because you can see that he's started coming before he's fully out of her. Like, he's coming as he's exit, like, as he's pulling out. Okay. I just think that's... <laughs> I just think that's really cool. Oh, my God. I'm crying right now. Yeah, I have in my notes, fantastic cum shot. Oh, and then she keeps fucking him, which is pretty impressive. And then she gets back. And everyone's like kind of celebrating her success, but then they treat her like a child. And Jamie says, it's past your bedtime. Yeah, I don't like that. He's laughing, though. I don't like it one bit. She clearly doesn't have to go to bed. Well, are we sure? I mean, she does go. She, and then, then we have the next scene where she's just like fucking furious at him and getting a massage and talking about what a piece of shit he is. And then he switches out with the masseuse. 
but she knows it's him because he's bad at giving a massage and she keeps shit talking him. What a snake. She says he's the coldest, most insensitive son of a bitch. And Geraldine's like, if he was here, he'd strangle you. And he puts her, his hands on her neck and she like turns around. She's like, I knew it was you. You have the, the hands of a gorilla. No, it's a gorilla, like an elephant or hippo, hippo. She calls him a hippo. <laughs> I've got to pocket that one. Yeah, she's, hands of a hippo. she's sassy. I'm just kidding. Don't put that in there, Eleanor. That's mean. I don't want to bully people. You don't no, want to bully hippos? I no, I can think of a few people. <laughs> I want to bully a lot of people. <laughs> I bully you. I know. You do bully me a lot. I'm a bully. After that massage scene, she does make three men come at once. God. And then she's, but then she cries. Yeah, I hated that. Well. I hated it. It was, it was awful. She didn't look happy about it at all. She looked miserable. She's not happy. Yeah. That's the point of that scene. I wouldn't be either. Yeah. Is that he's treating her like shit. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing is, like, I don't think this movie is being like, look how great this guy is. No, I wanted to kick his ass. You're supposed to. You're supposed to hate him. You're supposed to want to kick his ass. Mission accomplished. Yeah. You want to kick Jamie Gillis' ass. He would like that, actually. I'm sure he would. The man can dumb. He's real. He's really daddy. Serena said that she was like, Jamie was daddy. Serena was another porn star that he had a a long commit. Well, committed, really. It wasn't a monogamous relationship, obviously, <laughs> but a long-term relationship. And she was like, yeah, Jamie was daddy. But also, she jammed the fuck out of him. And I think it was Kelly Nichols, who starred in Roommates with Jamie, said like, oh, yeah, I didn't really interact with Jamie once. We went to Plato's Retreat once, which is, was a sex club in New York. And she was like, yeah, we were just kind of messing around. And she's like, and then because I was friends with Serena, I knew that his favorite thing was being dumb. So I just started making him like lick my boot and stuff. And he completely loved that. That's what he wants. And I think it kind of ties in with this movie. We have this guy who's being a dick, like just fucking needling her the whole time. And what he wants is to be fucking controlled. Mm -hmm. And we'll talk about the the closing scene and why I think my thesis is correct. (laughs) Based on the, the last shot. But... So after she makes the three guys come at once and cries, they go to the party, the rap party that is being thrown by Lawrence Lehman, the magazine guy. And there's one shot of him that bums me out because it kind of looks like Eric Trump. Oh, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Oh, it right? gave me the ick so bad. The guy. Ugh. He kind of looks like Eric Trump in that one shot. Shoot that energy into the sun. Well, that guy, I mean, that guy's good. That guy has an amazing ass. I will say that. The, this is the guy who gets pegged, by the way. We're ramping up to talk about the pegging scene, the infamous pegging scene. But, you know, he's sitting up there, like, in the rafters, and Jamie says, go, go walk right up to him. And what does she do? She goes off script. She doesn't walk up to him. She tells his little lackey, she says, tell Lawrence Lehman that Misty Beethoven wants his, quote, fucking ass down here right now, unquote, or something like that. She says, get your fucking ass down She's here. mommy. She turns into mommy. She's mommy, and we love that for her. So it's like she has a moment. She cries. She's like, wait a minute. This situation is fucked. I just made three guys come at once. I'm the one with the power here, and this guy is going to come down to me. And and he does. He jumps off. He jumps down from the ceiling, like, onto a pile of mat. Conveniently placed mattresses. Another moment where you're like, what the fuck is happening? Am I tripping balls right now, or is that just, is that real? Well, I don't know if you've ever been to a rap party, Katie, but sometimes there's just piles of mattresses around the warehouse. I see. Yes. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. 
it's something that uh, only an insider would know, I think. Oh my gosh. So the party itself looks very swinging and very cool. She goes off script. She gets him to come down there. Then she meets the wife. I think we've all been there. <laughs> yeah. And she says, I'm going to, I'm going to get your husband, I'm going to get your old man off. Does that bother you? And Gloria Leonard said, you didn't think I was going to make him take that perilous journey alone, did you? Right. Yeah. Yes. And then we have an inc- what I think is an incredible threesome scene. Yes. It starts out with the women interacting. Right. And she's like, and to me, this is one of the sexiest parts of the movie where she's like fingering Misty Beethoven under her dress. Like you just see the hand moving up, but it's, it's not graphic like all the other stuff, but it's like super sexy. There's, they cut away to a guy having sex in a wheelchair for a moment, which is pretty cool. And then they come back to the scene. You know, they're all kind of like in a threesome pile, fucking like a, like a threesome usually goes. Mm-hmm. And then here comes the strap on. Mm-hmm. And I do appreciate like the amount of time that's devoted to proper pegging setup. <laughs> Yeah, that's something I was going to say is I I really liked that it wasn't just this like situation that appeared. It's like the whole start to finish. This is what's happening. Right. And like it's instructional, but it was erotic. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's eroticism in the mundane. Mm -hmm. Like I know I, I listed porn I watch already, but like like amateur swinger porn is pretty fun because it is mundane because mm-hmm. it feels more real. Mundane details make the sex feel more real. And I think that's why this scene is so effective is because you see her putting the the belt on, like the two parts of it. Then Gloria Lennard goes and gets the relatively small dildo, not to size shame, but it's, you know, it's not a monster. Then they lube it up. She takes a fair amount. She uses a good bit of lube. Do you see? It's not just one squirt. It's several squirts of lube. She tries to put it in. It falls out at first. This is what happens. Like, it's just, it's a very realistic, but still very erotic setup to a pegging scene. And I don't know if you noticed, but there's no cum shot in that scene. Mm-hmm. He does cum, I guess, based on the sounds that he makes. But there's no, and I think, again, that guy, that was another gay actor. It could have been that. It could have been that just aesthetically, we don't really care about him in that moment. It's more about her and her power. There's some really great, Scenes of her, you know, before she goes to peg him, like kind of standing very strongly above him. And anyway, I just think it's a beautiful scene. Once again, the women in this film carried the movie. They do. They really do. Um, And Gloria Leonard gives an amazing performance. And then afterwards, the party's winding down. Gloria Leonard comes out first. Thanks, Jamie. Sorry, Dr. Seymour Love for throwing a wonderful party, which is weird because it's their party. They needed a scripty. I just, I feel like they just, someone sat down drunk one night, read, like wrote this script out, and then they were like, yep, we've got it, let's go. But like, for such a high budget film, you're like, yeah. where is your editor? Right. None of this flows. Right. Where's the, where's the... Uh, the continuity. The continuity, yeah. So there's, you have to expect to see like a, a Starbucks cup yeah left out yeah you know this is the game of thrones of porn yeah except for the set wise the sets are flawless the sets the sets were great it's true the sets and locations are flawless yeah Uh, yeah i mean it's hard to argue with you there i mean i don't know that i would go out of my way to describe this film as beautiful really but architecturally there were moments where i was like oh shit that's 
This is this is pretty nice joint guy here. Yeah, I think it's gorgeous. The apartment in New York is really fun to look at. Geraldine's place is really fun to look at. The opening shots with Jamie wander, wandering around Paris, beautiful. I think even the warehouse party looks really cool. I think it's all very groovy. Oh God! <laughs> but after so after this party, uh, Geraldine and Seymour Love are in like this kind of oral sex chain. Do you remember this? They're kind of like all what's the centipeded, <laughs> like a human centipede, but with oral sex. Right. And then Gloria Leonard comes out and thanks him for throwing a party, even though it's her party. And then Lawrence Lehman comes out and I think just like gives him a little bump on the shoulder. Like she's the goldenrod girl. And then they all get excited. And then he starts talking shit about her again and basically taking all the credit for her hard work. As they do. As they do. As they do. And then she comes out and what does she say? See you later. Send my things to Lawrence Lehman's house. <laughs> and he's like, stay, come on. You can have Caesar because he's dressed as Caesar because he's very corny. And she says, why would I want Caesar? I've already had Napoleon. Oh, <laughs> get him. Napoleon, just for the record, it was that, I mean, great delivery, but whoo. Napoleon was, yeah, an old guy dressed like Napoleon in a porn theater. Nobody Who wants Napoleon. Like $5 for a hand job. <laughs> um, and then he just looks, like, crestfallen. Like, he looks confused and then hurt and then, like, a little angry. Good. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, fuck you, guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he's, like, going on and on about how, like, how he got her to fall in line by she didn't want to do it and then he gave her a kick in the ass and what you have to do is ask him to dinner at the same time beat the shit out of them while at the same time telling you that telling them that you love them which he doesn't do either one he doesn't he doesn't hit her and he doesn't and he never says that he loves her he's just like boasting like he's just being a shitty boastful man taking all the credit for a woman's labor we hate it don't we ladies jail jail, jail for <laughs> immediately this man. jail um so she takes her shit moves in with Gloria Leonard and Lawrence Lehman Jamie tries to go to another theater, thinks he sees her. Of course, he doesn't. She's not there. He's not really crying, but he, he like, buries his head in his hands and looks pretty emotionally wrecked. Yeah, we all know. Um, we, all, we all know the look. We know the look of a man who's not in touch with his emotions enough to cry. Go to therapy. Yes. Send that man to therapy. Send Dr. Seymour Love to Dr. Someone Else. <laughs> what i say claire <laughs> then he, then, anyway then he goes back to new york back on the sex plane um so they go back to the apartment and he's just watching footage of her blowjob training montage oh sad it's real it's pathetic and he's like i wonder what time it is in rome and geraldine's like it's it's too late seymour like it's too late to call and also it's too late for you to get her back but then here she comes here she, comes. Here she fucking comes and also this was a funny thing is like they're there's all these blowjob maids, both at his apartment and at Geraldine's place in the country. Where Have you noticed they keep switching out? Like someone will be blowing them for a while and then they'll switch it out with another maid. Yeah, why? I don't know. Just, I guess, to demonstrate that he has an endless supply of blowjob maids. Ugh. But so she comes in and she takes, takes the place of one of the blowjob maids. Right. And I don't think he notices it's her. He doesn't. First. He doesn't. I don't think he notices it's her at first. He does not. But eventually... 
because he's trained her so well, he's like, I recognize my work, I think. Which, oh, come on, <laughs> man. I mean, but it is like he does it. What, what Claire is trying to say is that he has his aha moment where he's like, wait a second. Wait a second. And then what does he do? What does he do? He repeats what he said to her in the brothel, that she is the nadir of passion. Oh, fuck this guy. Well, but he's smirking the whole, he doesn't, he, he just like You love a her, smirk. I love, I actually we're, love that scene. We're coming full circle. The thing I, that you need to know about Claire, if anything, is this is a woman who loves a smirky man. I think we already know too much about Claire. That's true. Already, and this is the first episode, unfortunately. But yeah, he's, you know, he starts smirking, he starts nagging her, and then she, I think she bites his dick. That's right. So yeah, so once he starts nagging her, she bites his dick, chases him around, and he's, you know, just fucking blabbing as he is wont to do. And this is something he had said earlier in the film. He said, you know why people, most people have sexual problems? Because they talk too goddamn much. And then she throws it back in his face. She's like, you know why people have sexual problems, Seymour? Because they talk too goddamn much. And then they kiss and fuck. And it is like a pretty tender, pretty good scene. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't a fan, but. Why weren't you a fan? No surprise there. Here's the thing about this guy. He's kind of a piece of shit. He's been truly awful to this poor young woman who, like, you know, was following his lead to pursue her dreams of reclaiming her power or however the, however the fuck you want to spin this. Well, it was really because she just didn't want to be in that brothel anymore. Right. Like, her life sucked. Right. And she was like, well, might as well try this. Right. It also sucked, but in a different way. I mean, you're right in that there's no reason for her to go back to him. Yeah. No, absolutely Except not. that we're following the plot of My Fair Lady, and right. that's what happens in My Fair Lady. Right. But I think the spin that they put on it, which kind of saves it for me, and I understand it if it doesn't for you, is after they have that whole sex scene and, like, kiss and make up or whatever, we see that last scene of now she's the sex teacher. She's wearing a little suit. She's instructing other women how to give blowjobs. You know, saying, oh, that quote from Hyman Mandel that Dr. Oh, Seymour yeah. loved. Who's Hyman Mandel? I don't know. I just saw it on, written on the men's room in the sports club in New York. <laughs> and the quote... <laughs> And the quote is, just because they do it wrong doesn't mean you can't do it right. And that's the, that's the quote she uses when instructing women how to give blowjobs. <laughs> but then, the very last shot, we see Dr. Seymour Love. And how is he dressed? Do you remember? I don't remember. He's in chains, baby. <gasps> oh, we love that for yeah, him. Yeah, he's in chains. And this is an Easter egg, folks. He's reading a book, The Art of the Enema. Or like how, it's like an enema instruction manual. Which is a reference to Water Power, a movie that came out the same year about the Enema Bandit, which we will cover at a later date. We're not ready for Water Power yet, but we're going to ramp up to it. So it's a little, a little tip of the hat, if you would, <laughs> to one of his other movies that came out that year. But I think him being in chains, her being in charge now, that's kind of what he was going for the whole time. He wanted to needle this woman into fucking doming him, and she does. Well, there you go. A happy ending for all. Yeah. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Not my favorite, Not but favorite. I can appreciate the absurdity of it all. Okay. I mean, it's just impossible not to laugh at certain times and be like, what the fuck is going on it's here? It's legitimately funny. It, it's I, just absurd. Yeah. It's super absurd. You cannot take it seriously. The cinematography tries to trick you 
into taking it seriously, maybe to fuck with you. I don't, the contrast of the fucking wacky plot with how beautiful. I don't know. I, you said you didn't think it was that beautiful? Mm-mm. Some of the interiors were really beautiful. Like I meant, I mentioned the architecture and yeah. the mansion with the like costumes the, are good. Yeah, some of the costumes are pretty good. Most of them were just pretty silly. The dress she wears to the ballet, that little oh, pink that number. Oh, that was beautiful. That was beautiful. Come on. Come on. <laughs> no, she did. She did look great. Yeah, she did look beautiful great. Woman. Yes, oh. as as are they all. Yeah, Geraldine's hair's really good. That's right. It's just, I love watching it. Though I, I'm going to take a break from it because I watched it like three times in preparation for this. So, Katie, I already know the answer, but I got to ask you. You like that? Uh, respectfully, no. But, <laughs> you, know, you know, there are more. There are always more. Oh, yeah. You're going to watch more. This oh, is, good. Yeah. Oh, good. I can't wait. Next. Uh, well, I'm not going to tell you what we're doing next. Okay. It's a surprise. It's a surprise for everyone. Thank you all for listening. Don't forget to like and subscribe. I really don't know where this is going and if there will be a like button, but. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Yeah, and be nice to us. That's important, too. Don't say that. <laughs> don't be a fucking. Don't be a simp little for simp for the fucking audience. Christ. No, no, no. They should simp for us is what I'm saying. Be nice to us. <laughs> Make sure to follow us on Twitter at you like that underscore pod. 